You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Dr. Ann Schiebert's Relationship Radio at AmericasWebRadio.com. We are your relationship mentor, educator, and supporter, and we are here for you. And I'm sitting here in Northern California with a cup of coffee and a bagel, and I hope you join me because we have a very interesting program today. And for those of you who are listening for the first time, this program offers its listeners an array of guests who come to you to discuss various relationship challenges. It's my belief that almost every problem we have in today's life was seeded in an unresolved relationship problem in the past. Think about your negative self-talk. Where did you learn it? You weren't born with that. If you have slow self-esteem, where did you learn how to have a lack of confidence and to feel badly about yourself. If you have an addiction, I believe that the need to numb out began with an unsupportive and critical and many times a traumatic relationship. So consider that. All of our stuff that we have, besides health issues, are seated in a unresolved relationship issue. And this radio program is dedicated to helping you learn about that, and maybe consider how you do things in a different way. Over the years, I've conducted many trauma groups, and one of the trauma treatments I utilize is called cognitive processing therapy. And in the treatment of CPT, as it's called, um, people, my patients have to write their trauma and read it to me. And this is the treatment of choice for military members returning from overseas duty and who have been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. And as I just said, part of the therapy is writing and rewriting the worst trauma someone has experienced. And the patient has to read it to me twice, not just once. And I have the privilege of actually hearing my patients read their trauma to me. Other adults, usually romantic relationships after a divorce or separation. And in addition... I've been surprised about the number of molestations that are perpetrated by relatives, extended family, and friends. The traumas one experiences in childhood usually and often manifest into mental health problems and addiction and ongoing relationship problems as an adult. And my research in the area of trauma has actually convinced me that traumatic events cause lifelong suffering for the trauma survivor unless they receive treatment. Treatment's important. Having a mental health challenge can also be traumatic for children, teens, and adults. Such a challenge often leads to feelings of aloneness because the person who has a mental health issue feels so different from his or her peers. And today, we're going to discuss one area on the spectrum of mental health challenges that can affect relationships in very negative ways and also lend itself to feelings of traumatization. 
I'm talking about bipolar disorder. It used to be called manic depressive disorder. So bipolar disorder can feel like ongoing trauma, ongoing despair, ongoing thoughts about not being good enough. Imagine how such a sense of oneself could affect relationships, platonic as well as romantic. Well, we don't have to imagine that anymore because we have a returning guest who is just as much an expert in bipolar disorder as he is in autism. And Dr. Rick LaBelle returns to us to discuss bipolar disorder and relationships. For those of you who missed Dr. LaBelle's first program, let me reintroduce him. Dr. LaBelle joins us from Walnut Creek, California. He is the adult autism spectrum expert at the National HMO there, where he is a full-time psychologist. In addition, Dr. LaBelle is also the bipolar and relationship expert. I am so fortunate to have um, him in my life as a peer. Dr. LaBelle works at the Medical Center's Hospital and Emergency Department, and he has experience with an array of venues, including being a provider in a community mental health clinic and the California State Prison System. Dr. LaBelle is experienced in the areas of dual diagnosis, bipolar disorder, and alcohol use disorders, chemical, I'm sorry, clinical depression in adults, and adult attention deficit disorder. Wow, what a bunch of specialties. It's my pleasure to welcome you to Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio, Dr. LaBelle. Thank you so much for returning to our program, and I have so many questions to ask you about bipolar disorder and how that mental health challenge affects relationships. Thank you, Dr. Ed. It's a pleasure to be back, and uh, thank you for having me here. Oh, we're honored. So the first question that comes to mind is, what exactly is bipolar disorder? Would you please explain that to us? It's a much misunderstood disorder, and the term is used very casually. Some people say, oh, yeah, I have bipolar disorder. Sometimes I'm happy and sometimes I'm sad. That's not bipolar disorder. That's life. Bipolar disorder is a disorder that's brain-based. It's based on the brain and genetics, and it causes significant impairment in a person's relationships, work, or school, and daily activities. Well, that sounds like a big job if you have it and um, hard to manage. I understand, Dr. LaBelle, that there's two types of bipolar disorder. What are they? Yes, they're actually bipolar 1, bipolar 2, but there's also an unspecified uh, bipolar disorder which doesn't meet quite those qualifications. Hmm. And the basic, the basic difference is in the severity of the symptoms. So what are the symptoms in, like, type 1? In a bipolar 1, somebody has to have at least one episode in their life of mania and at least one episode of major depressive disorder. Now, mania manifests itself differently with different people. Many times people with bipolar disorder are very creative and they achieve a lot. But other times people have different range of symptoms and it can be quite difficult. So to be diagnosed with a manic episode, you have to have at least one week period of elated, euphoric, or irritable mood with increased activity or energy, and three other symptoms. 
And here's where the spectrum of bipolar disorder comes into play. And just like we talked about autism spectrum, there's not just one bipolar disorder, not just one mania. People may experience any of these symptoms, grandiose thinking, uh, decreased need for sleep, pressured sleep, racing thoughts, distractibility, impulsive behavior. They may become delusional type psychotic. They may become irritable. They may become hypersexual, spending a lot of money. Many different things can occur. Well, um, I've seen many folks in the emergency department in a manic stage. And um, afterwards, they don't really want to stop being manic because they like it and they don't want to take their medications. And we'll probably talk about that later. So, so bipolar one, to summarize, has the manic part and the depressed part. And tell us about bipolar two. Bipolar two is a less severe form of bipolar disorder. And keep in mind, we're using the Diagnostic and Statistic Manual five or the DSM five, and things aren't quite clear cut. Bipolar two is very similar. We need at least one major depressed episode and at least one hypomanic episode. Now, the main difference between a manic episode and a hypomanic episode is the length of time. A hypomanic episode lasts for at least four days, but less than seven days. After seven days, it will become a manic episode. Hmm. Okay. Well, um, do people hang out more in the, 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 the manic state or the hypermanic state with bipolar too. I guess it varies great. Yeah. It can vary great. That, um, that more the hypermanic state. People tend to prefer the hypomanic state because they can get many things done and be very accomplished. So like you mentioned earlier, sometimes they don't want to be medic on medications and we'll talk more about that later. However, some people who are in a hypomanic or manic state may feel very uncomfortable. They may have anxious stress going on inside, uncomfortable physical feelings within. So it's not a good thing. <laughs> many people, many people, it's not a good thing. Ah, okay. Because the patients I've had in my repertory of treating bipolar, just many of them love the mania. They go shopping and buy all kinds of new stuff, but then they do regret it afterwards. We are coming up on a break, and so, uh, listeners, we will be back in a few minutes after some information. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. 
and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hi, listeners. Welcome back to Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio on AmericasWebRadio.com. We are returning with Dr. Rick LaBelle discussing bipolar disorder and relationships, which is such a timely topic. So, Dr. LaBelle, let's review. Two types of bipolar disorder. Bipolar 1 has a, a manic and depressive cycle, and bipolar 2 has a hypomanic, which is a, a lower level of mania and depression. Is that correct? That is correct, yeah. Okay. Now, I've always been curious, how early are people diagnosed with bipolar disorder? This is an area in mental health where we are really lagging. And, um, what happens typically, somebody, it takes about eight years for somebody on the average to be diagnosed with bipolar disorder even when they've been in treatment for something like depression or anxiety, it's missed a lot. The average onset of bipolar disorder is between 15 and 19 years old, with 18 being the typical age. However, children and adolescents can also have bipolar disorder. And usually it's done by an interview with a clinician, either a therapist or a psychiatrist, and a detailed family history is needed as well as the person's history because, like we were mentioning earlier, somebody who has hypomania many times does not feel it's a problem because they get a lot done, they feel a lot accomplished. So they neglect to say that. We only hear that from family members. Uh Uh-huh. Well, I know that a lot of people think they have bipolar disorder because they're on stimulants like cocaine and amphetamines and they say, I have bipolar disorder and I always ask this question. So are you on any mind-altering substances. It's amazing how many people self-diagnose. I just wanted to make that comment. (laughs) Yes, that's that's a whole other form of mood disorder that presents very similar to mania or bipolar disorder. A substance-induced drug, alcohol, or even prescription medication. Even some medical illnesses can cause uh, things that present as mania or hypomania. I think it's important for our listeners to know that, and this includes marijuana, which 
Many people think it's just not uh, a serious drug, but it is, and more and more research is coming out about that. But um, anything, so we, it takes us a while as clinicians to really diagnose a bipolar disorder. I want to know, is bipolar one treatable, and if so, how is it treated? Yes, both bipolar one and bipolar two are treated, can be treated. However, it's a disease that's more, and it's a brain-based disease that needs to be managed. It's never cured. It's always there, and a person can have relapses, even despite long periods of remission, without having a depressed episode or a manic or a hypomanic episode. First line of treatment, especially for mania, is medication. Mood stabilizers, including lithium, which has been around for many, many years. And in acute manic phases, maybe something like an atypical antipsychotic like Seroquel or something like that to calm the person down. Um, therapy is also a very important piece of treatment, but medication is the main line with, gold, with lithium being kind of the gold standard of medication management of bipolar disorder. If the disorder is not managed well with those two things, uh, uh, electroconvulsive therapy or ECT is still used in many cases it can be very can, can be very effective with people with severe bipolar disorder hmm. now um, so that's really kind of serious um, in, a, in the way of treatment what about bipolar 2 same thing yeah very same thing in fact bipolar 2 can be more difficult to treat for a couple of reasons you mentioned earlier a person might enjoy those hypomanic episodes when they're feeling really good, a lot of pleasure, and getting a lot done. They may say, oh, I don't need these medications anymore, which frequently happens. They stop taking them, and then the episode gets worse, and then they have problems as a result. Hmm. I've seen a lot of bipolar 2 folks kind of just stay in depression and want a baseline. Have you seen that, too? Oh, yes. One of the things I do, you mentioned earlier, is I run a bipolar support group for adults with bipolar disorder for a large HMO, and I've been doing that for about nine years now. And the mm -hmm. depressions can be very deep and very severe and very difficult to get out of with somebody with bipolar 1 disorder. It can be difficult because sometimes anti the typical antidepressants that are used may not be used because it could possibly trigger a manic episode. So it's a hard line for a psychiatrist or an MD or a prescriber treating bipolar disorder with medication to find out what medication to use. Yes. And that sometimes just is a, a trial and error process, right? Yeah, very much a trial, and I feel so bad for folks because, you know, they frequently say, I feel like a guinea pig, and they try something, they get a negative side effect, and they have to wait to go off that for starting else. And most people to manage bipolar disorder are on two or three medications. Uh, it's got to be very challenging, uh, to say the least. Now, I want to ask you a question about exercise and bipolar disorder, um, as an aside. Because my research that I've done says that depression treated with exercise by itself is more productive than depression treated with exercise and medication in combination or medication by itself. Do you have any thoughts about that? Well, it's related to bipolar disorder. Part of anybody taking care of themselves, a lot of the ways of managing bipolar disorder is 
typical self-care, and exercise is a part of that. However, this can become a problem when somebody's hypomanic or manic, and they're spending hours at the gym doing whatever. They're doing too much exercise, and that's causing physical harm to their body. But certainly appropriate exercise, aerobic, walking, uh, including meditation, things like that, can be very helpful in managing bipolar disorder. Yeah, and I would imagine it might be helpful to um, kind of structure the day for folks with, who are experiencing bipolar, hypomanic, and manic symptoms, how to structure the day so that the mania doesn't rule 24 hours. Absolutely. Daily scheduling, uh, activity of daily scheduling, keeping a consistent schedule, including waking up and going to sleep at a consistent time is very important. Having your day structured, any changes in a person's life, whether positive or negative, can trigger a manic or a hypomanic episode. So something wonderful can happen, like get a great new job, uh, meet somebody who you really fall in love with, and all these positive things happen, and then you're manic. Well, so it's a very yeah, and that's got to be confusing because you have all those yeah. natural let's mate um, uh, chemicals going off. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> in a new romance. Um, let's talk about relationships with a person who's been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. What about dating someone with bipolar disorder? How can bipolar 1, for example, affect dating? Well, a person may not know the person has any bipolar disorder at all because they may choose not to reveal it. And for the person with bipolar disorder, always like, when do I let somebody else know? But um, as you've probably seen when you're in the, working in the emergency department, you may have known somebody in treatment for some time, and all of a sudden you see them in a full-blown manic episode. You go, who is this person? It seems like another person is there in front of you. It's a bit, little bit scary sometimes. So a oh, person... Yeah, so once you find uh, dating a person with bipolar disorder, getting yourself educated, finding out more about the disorder is the most important thing. Yeah, and I've often thought we can't allow a mental health challenge to drive the bus. So having that structure and being a partner with the person who has been diagnosed with the disorder, I think it's pretty important in, um, in maintenance of the disorder. Absolutely. Good communication, having that daily structure. In many cases, having a partner write a contract, partner partners write a contract with each other, where if you see me and you're concerned that I might be hypomanic or depressed or manic, this is what I want you to say to me. So the person with the disorder is telling their partner what to say. And that's a really important thing, that both people are on the same page with that communication. Because many people report that one of the most frustrating things that people say to them, if they're just a little, a little irritable or a little happy, are you taking your medications? And that's probably the worst question you can ask a person with bipolar disorder. It's certainly guaranteed yeah. to get them irritable. <laughs> it's, well, it's insulting. It is, exactly. Yeah, because, like people, we're normal human beings. We have normal mood swings like everybody else. Yeah, I might have excessive episodes, but I'm also going to have days where I'm a little blue, I'm a little down, or I'm a little irritable or cranky. That's life. That's normal. Yeah. So, um, I know that I have a few patients who found themselves dating bipolar one folks, and they just thought, oh my gosh, this person has so much energy, they're so creative. And they are so much fun. 
And then the mania goes away, and they're kind of left with, gee, a regular person. <laughs> that can that can really negatively affect uh, a relationship because what you see is not always what's underneath. Right, and especially with bipolar two, with the hypomania, where it doesn't some frequently doesn't cause as many problems until it goes over the edge. That could certainly be the case. Or the person with bipolar sort of goes into a depressed episode, which totally changes the picture as well, too, in a relationship. Yeah, and then I think the person on the other end who's not educated about bipolar 1 and bipolar 2 might think, well, that person doesn't like me, or, God, they, they suddenly got boring. What do I need them for? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But what you said about communication is really important but deciding on when to have that communication is also important, and I actually have no guidelines for that. It's not like, hi, I'm Ann Schiebert. I have bipolar one. Nice to meet you. It doesn't work like that. No, and that comes up frequently in our bipolar group, support group. When do you disclose something of that? When is it important? And you need to get to know the person. Are they worthy? Uh, sharing information with are they trustworthy enough to share information with if you mention something like oh i know someone who's depressed what's that person's reaction kind of testing the waters to get an idea whether the person's reaction might be because the other big complaint i have in the bipolar support group is the stigma attached with bipolar disorder bipolar disorder people stop right there because we have we're late for our break okay hold that thought listeners we'll be right back Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is Around Town Movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me, and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not-so-fun experience moving. Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around Town Movers for that local or cross-country move. Timothy, Around Town Movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's Around Town Movers. Call them. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
listeners to Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio. We're here with Dr. Rick LaBelle. And Rick, I had to interrupt you because we had a break coming up. Could we go back to what we were talking about? Because it's really important. Yes. Talking about the uh, people who feel very stigmatized by bipolar disorder and the stigma associated with it, that people with bipolar disorder are dangerous or violent. The media can portray this as well to really perpetuate this myth, because it is a myth, because, oh, somebody committed this act and they may have a mental illness, they suspect they might be bipolar, with no evidence at all, which contributes to that as well, too. Most people with bipolar disorder are able to manage their lives and have good relationships and live productive lives. Well, I've noticed that, too, as long as they don't let the disorder, I hate that name, disorder, by the way, the the symptoms rule their life. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not a disorder. It's just a chemical functioning issue, I think. Well, it's a brain-based disorder, and we know this. We can show physical pictures of the brain as well as functional pictures of the brain that show this is not your typical brain. There are changes right. here, so we know it's a brain-based disorder. Yeah, so many people I know, so many patients are, have shame issues around having this, this um, chemical uh, imbalance, let's call it, and, and the idea of having a disorder adds to the shame. So I just wanted to say that. But mm-hmm. Tell us five traits that might produce a negative effect on romantic relationships. Excessive activity, being up all night, cleaning the garage or deciding to paint the house in the middle of the night. Uh, excessive, <laughs> spend, excessive spending. Uh, a change in presentation. All of a sudden I'm with this one person. Now it seems like I'm with somebody else. Uh, sometimes infidelity as a result, either due to hypersexuality or impulsive behavior and uh, effects on family finances overall. Yeah, and I think it would be so good, knowing those five things or more, to do a contract around, so if this happens, this is what I want you to do to help me so that I don't do the things that my chemical imbalance is, is leading me to do. Exactly, yes. And I'm going to do a plug here. You know, I like my resources. There's a website called Bipolar Lives, and on that website, the woman, Sarah Freeman, has given a bipolar toolkit which people can download, and they can create such a document just like we're just talking about here, which I think is so important. Other resources will have that as well, too, but she lays it out really nicely in that. And I'm going to give a plug because um, in my substance abuse book, Let's Make a Contract um, for Teens, Getting Your Teen Through Substance Abuse, is... Um, Contra- our contracts for bipolar disorder for teens that parents mm-hmm. can have with their teens. Oh, good. So, yeah. yeah. No, so let's review bipolar disorder. No matter what type can come with hypomania or mania and depression. And I think we understand that mania and depression, um, I think we understand what they are now since you explained it to us. But would you tell us a little bit more about hypomania? Because I think it's confusing. Well, Yes, it is. And there's no clear-cut line between hypomania and mania. The Diagnostic and Statistic Manual that we use just changes the time frame. An episode lasts more than four days. 
but less than seven days. The symptoms are also typically less severe, and the person can be very productive and really be very successful in many areas of their life in a hypomanic episode until, again, it goes over the edge into excessive. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to think that these things would really affect a relationship. Can you think of any more ways that mania might affect a romantic relationship? It's the damage done many cases. What happens? A person has spent much of their money either gambling, buying a house in Hawaii, or starting a farming business when they know nothing about farming, or been in a, been, uh, had an affair with somebody, <coughs> excuse me, possibly contracted an STD. Um, the children have seen the parents changing and differing. Excuse me a moment. <coughs> allergy season out here yeah so these are the things that can affect things and then what repairs that can there be repaired done sometimes it can't be repaired trust like you know with chemical dependency takes a long time to rebuild when it's been when it's been violated it's only behavior not words but behavior that shows that a person is actually working on changing yes and that's got to be really hard dr liddell because is it true that People never know uh, well in advance that they're going to go into a manic phase so that all of these things could blindside the partner of somebody who has bipolar 1 mania, for example. Um, And it's unexpected, but you're always on edge about, is this going to happen? Yes, and that's why both it's important for the person, the partner, to have these things written down. What are the symptoms? How does the partner and the person know when these symptoms are increasing and they may be getting into dangerous waters? And then what to do? Contact their psychiatrist, contact their therapist, whatever it might be, but also to write those things down for what might be happening to that individual person in the, in the relationship to know what those warning signs are. And. I've had trouble with this treating patients who are in manic uh, cycles. Is there? It seems like it's really hard to communicate once they're manic. Is that true? Have you found that? Oh, absolutely. One of the characteristics, one of the main symptoms is excessive and pressured and rapid speech, not letting somebody else get a word in, and they will go at length about topics out one woman one time said that to understand her symptoms, she started off with the Queen of England, the first Queen of England, to understand her history. She started reciting English history to me in great detail, <laughs> which she knew a great deal of detail about. And it was impossible to interrupt. I said, you know, I'm sorry, I cannot. You just have to stop because you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, and what about depression? That's kind of the same thing that people just want to be in bed and shut out the world. And how do you communicate with that? Yeah, having that contract again, if you see me sink into this, this is what you can do to say to me. This is what you can suggest that I might do to help myself in those situations. Because a depression is a word that's just thrown around very lightly. Major depression is severe, lasting at least two weeks with an increase. Uh, it pleasured everything, less activity, poor sleep, overeating or excessive eating. And like you mentioned, the person with severe depression just wants to stay in bed, not even change their clothes, just draw the curtains, just stay in bed, not even get out of bed all day. 
that can be very difficult to strain on a relationship as well as each person individually, as well as the effects on that person's work, parenting if they're involved, or school or whatever activities they have in life. Yeah, and I imagine a partner, especially a romantic partner, could feel abandoned when um, their loved one is in a manic cycle or a depressed one. Yes, they've lost that person. In many, they feel like they've lost that person. This is a slightly different person than what I signed up for. <laughs> I didn't sign yeah. up for this. And that, and that can cause the ending of relationships sometimes as well, too. Either the person decides, this is too much for me, I can't deal with it, or there was so much damage done during the mania or the hypomania that the person, I cannot deal with this in my life anymore, decides to end the relationship. And I'm out of here, and then the person with the chemical... Um, challenges, I'm just going to call it that, uh, the person who has this goes, well, I don't know what to do because this isn't my fault and I'm really, really sorry that I did all these things or that I went under the covers for 30 days. And I don't know how to, honestly, I don't know how to guide them to repair that because after a while, one's partner or spouse really gets sick of this. Yes. And one of the main effective uh, forms of therapy is what's called FFT, or family-focused therapy, where family members are brought in to help the person with the disorder as well as other people in their life to help manage the disorder. Now, that's a new one on me, FFT. So that is where the whole family meets with the person with the chemical imbalance and feeds back to them? Are they able to hear what the family's saying? Well, it could just be the person and their partner or the partner and children as well or one child. So it would vary greatly. Not a form of therapy that I've been able to do with the HMO work. I know something about it. It's one of the most research-driven positive forms of therapy. Another form of therapy that has shown some positive results as well, too, is interpersonal. regulation, uh, regulating your sleep and your daily activities as well, too. I think the important thing to know, about uh, too, about bipolar disorder is that this is a genetic disorder, and it's part of the genes. And as they research these things and the genes, there's different structures or subgroups of genes that can trigger bipolar disorder. So this can typically happen, like I mentioned before, between the ages of 14 and 19, with 18 being the average of that first break, but for some reason or another, those genes just turn on and the person becomes manic, or or hypomanic. And after that, the person can be greatly affected by relationships, um, by environmental activities that can trigger another episode. That has got to be so scary for the teenager who goes through that. Yes, and for a parent as well. And I, now let's say I'm a parent and I have bipolar disorder. I'm married and we decided we want to have kids. Well, what's the risk factor now that we know the genetics of this? Depends on how many people in the family had bipolar disorder, but the risk is at least 10% that a parent on either side that has bipolar disorder will have a child with bipolar disorder. So that's scary too. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah this is, these are real-life challenges and it's, it's hard to figure like you're going to have the life that you imagine everybody else has without a bipolar challenge. 
Exactly. You can understand how difficult it might be for the family where, let's say, one, let's say the father has bipolar disorder and has his episodes, and you have a teenager with bipolar disorder, and they have their episodes, and how they could trigger each other. And you know, in working with teens, how difficult teens can be at times anyway, but can you imagine the manic or hypomanic, how that would compound things? Well, yes, and then, as I said, then the teens have a propensity if they don't have... Uh, conversations about family values and structures in their family of origin um, to go off on their own and try all kinds of things that could even trigger a bipolar break more than it would normally be. Yes, so for the parent being aware of this and being aware of signs that something might be occurring, what we call some syndromal, not meeting the symptoms but just below it, of things that might be happening so they could act in a proactive, preventive fashion sometimes. A very common time for a break to take place is when a person goes away to college or university. They're away from home. That major change in their life can certainly trigger things as well to a manic episode. Very common for that to happen. That is really interesting. And I suspect, I don't know this for sure, that a lot of parents don't really even want to have the conversation about the genetic propensity to have a bipolar challenge uh, at all. It's like, oh, we hope you don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is not a good attitude to have, knowing, again, educating yourself about the disorder, both the person who has the disorder and people in their life knowing about it, so they can look for those signs and take action quickly. The earlier the onset of the manic or the hypomanic episode, the worse the prognosis long-term, the more likely the more frequent cycling and more severe cyclones. So by whatever means that that first episode can be prevented or even avoided or even minimized, that's the best thing to do in those cases. So, Dr. Julebell, we have to go to a break. Listeners, we will be back talking about bipolar challenges. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. This is Daryl Pullis inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. 
You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. on that with medication, but is there anything about medication that's an option or anything outside of medications that can help someone with bipolar challenges? And I'm thinking about exercise and that kind of thing. Well, therapy is certainly an important uh, piece of that along with medication. All the research has shown that medication therapy is the most effective form. Uh, We mentioned briefly before that electroconvulsive therapy, or ECT, is still used but it's sort of it's very difficult to treat. However, things like exercise, learning about new things, uh, using music to help monitor your mood, keeping a mood log, I can't highly recommend that enough. It's probably one of the most important tools you can use. number of them available for free online. You can do it with a piece of paper. I get no financial things for anything I mention, but one of my patients really liked. I just want to do that disclosure. I'm not getting anything out of this. Yeah. Helping people get education, which is very important to me personally. Um, but the app is eMoods, which people found very, very effective. Um, avoiding caffeine. Unfortunately, uh, I've had a couple of people in my group that over the years that have tried to monitor the hate, get up with the hypomania with caffeine and not sleeping as much and try like monitor that edge so they get that hypomanic edge and it never works for them. Uh, the other thing is any form of drugs, like you mentioned earlier, marijuana. Uh, a couple of years ago, I did a st- uh, literature review on marijuana and bipolar disorder, and almost all the articles said that people with bipolar disorder, marijuana destabilizes your mood and can cause a manic or depressive episode. People I've known in the bipolar disorder group, after numerous experiments, have concluded the same thing that can destabilize your mood. The other thing I'd like to mention, too, is uh, I always, my patients, they suspect anything at all, anxiety and mood disorder, I always recommend they get a thorough medical checkup with lab work to include vitamin D levels and thyroid levels to rule out any medical causes of a mood disorder or any type of disorder. That's really good advice. I have people who come to me with bipolar disorder with five-hour energy drinks, and I won't let them have them in my office. And I'm, we, we have to review, like, okay, this is what caffeine's going to do, and then I'm going to see you in the emergency department. So and, and I, It's all the other stuff that's in there, too, the supplements that are in there, like the ginkgo and all the other things that can boost the person's energy level and trip them over that edge, yes. 
Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And it's scary because sometimes they just don't want to listen to the feedback because they like the five-hour energy drinks. But mm-hmm. if, if listeners out there, please help the folks that you love that have these challenges with this and sit down and have a structured conversation. Mm-hmm. And Dr. LaBelle, many of my patients who are married to people with bipolar disorder have difficulties with the mood swings, as we were just talking about. Give us some advice about that. Yeah, like I mentioned before, the most important thing is to get educated. Hopefully we can put up a resource uh, list online at some point on your website here, Dr. She- Dr. Ann. Uh, but the yeah. most important thing for that person is take care of yourself. You need to take care of yourself like anything else, or you're not going to be there for anybody else. Set limits when needed. Say what behavior you will tolerate, what behavior you will not tolerate, what the consequences. Be involved as much as you can with the person's treatment. Many times a person who has the disorder will refuse to have other people involved in their treatment. This doesn't usually have a good outcome because that other person can recognize those early warning signs of mania or hypomania and help the person not go into a full-blown episode. So it's very difficult. It can have its ups and downs. And like you mentioned earlier, it can be really exciting when that person's full of energy and all hyped up and he's doing all this stuff and life is great until it goes over the edge. Yeah, and over the edge is not fun. No, whether it's into mania or it's a depression. Go ahead. Yeah, either way, it's not fun. Um, talk to us about bipolar disorder and addiction. Yeah, very, yeah, very common co-occurring disorder. Interestingly enough, if you'd asked me five years ago, I would have said, well, um, addictions are probably the most common co-occurring disorder with bipolar disorder. I'd be wrong. Anxiety is actually the most common one. With 75% of the people with bipolar disorder having a co-occurring disorder of a, some type of anxiety. Now, you get the anxiety, you get the bipolar disorder, you even get the further risk for using substances, whatever those substances may be, to help manage your mood. So now we have prescribed medications, which have their own side effects, as well as combinations and interactions with each other, and then a person introducing other substances, which can really compound the problem. Hmm. Oh, it's just challenging. And I want to know, because I'm always curious about this, and I actually don't know the answer, does bipolar disorder get worse or better over time? The sooner the first break, like I mentioned earlier, the worse it's going to be over time. Um, Typically, as a person ages, the episodes may be less frequent and less intense. Now, the problem here is we have a huge gender issue here as well, too. As women's hormonal body changes over time, at puberty, uh, childbirth, after childbirth, and especially menopause, can be a big risk for episodes occurring at those times as well, too. If the person learns to help monitor their disorder, their rates of success and and, uh, managing it are going to be much higher. But it's really there's no hard and fast rules. It would be nice if you could say, yes, this is the medication you should take, this is what you can expect, this is how long it will last, but we don't, unfortunately. Uh, Earlier, we were talking about things that would help people with bipolar disorder. I want to briefly touch back on that. Things like mindfulness, yoga, any centering can be very helpful. Uh, There's been some research done in complementary alternative medications. For example, fish oil might help a person as well, too. But I think more importantly, being involved. 
being being educated. I can't emphasize that enough. Okay. And are any of your bipolar patients in happy romantic relationships? Oh, many of them. Yeah. Um, do they have their ups and downs? Sure. Any relationship has its ups and downs. So many of them do, but they continue to struggle. Sometimes especially if the partner does not want to be involved at all in treatment. It's much more difficult because the person feels kind of alone and isolated. I think the importance of that bipolar support group, as well as another group called the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance, or DBSA, DBSA dbsa.org, has support groups in the community, is so important because that person with bipolar, I can't just tell anybody. I can't let people at work know. I can't let my friends know. And I don't, you know, this is the only place I go where I can talk to about people who understand it, who get how stigmatized it is, and that I feel alone much of the time. I can't talk about it. Oh. So, uh, as always, you've been a fountain of information. Are there any other books or sites that people could read that would assist in finding solutions to the issues that come up when one is in a relationship with someone with a bipolar challenge? Yes, there is a book called Loving Someone with Bipolar Disorder, and unfortunately I do not have the person, the author there, but it's called Loving Someone with Bipolar Disorder. I'm a huge fan of the For Dummies books, the Bipolar Disorder for Dummies, for the individual, as well as there is a section there for families. Uh, a book I really like is called The Bipolar Disorder Survival Guide by David Miklowitz, M-I-K-L-O-W-I-T-Z, and he has a third edition out with a whole section, new section on families and children with bipolar disorder. The National Institute of Mental Health, or NIMH, is a wealth of information. For families, NAMI, N-A-M-I, or the National Alliance of Mental Illness, NAMI.org, has family-to-family programs that can help somebody with bipolar disorder and their families as well as individual information. Um, there's the dbsalliance.org. So, so many, uh, and the many, many good uh, resources, many good biographies as well, too. I wish I could have time to actually say them all, but I kind of get, might get lost. Well, no, and I'm so grateful because this is the second time you've honored us with your uh, appearance and sharing your information, and you always provide us with great bibliography, research information that people, that our listeners can go to and find out more information. Dr. LaBelle, thank you so much. We could spend hours on this topic. Thank you so much for coming back and being on Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio. And listeners, what is driving your bus? What is the issue that you have been allowing to control your family life? If it's bipolar disorder, you now have some ideas from which to start taking and steering the wheel away from a disorder that tends to pose unique challenges. Make your plan. Create a structure of self-care with your bipolar loved one. Work together. Planning instead of reacting is the easiest way to proceed. And until next week, this is Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio reminding you that only you and create your world the way you want it to be. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.